Welcome to Listening Toward Love. Like one painting taken away from an installment that makes a cohesive picture, each episode of Listening Toward Love will have a unique life and story, but it's not meant to stand alone. A whole collection of different beliefs will be on display, and some of the topics will be uncomfortable for some, as they will be for me. I cannot speak on how exactly all listeners will be personally affected and to what degree some words will be painful to hear, as I truly only have the perspective of the body and mind I have been born into, that of a white woman with great privilege. I know that some episodes will resonate well with some and be difficult for others. My hope is that through this platform, we can all listen to one another and in doing so, take small steps toward love. I firmly believe that our purpose on this earth is to love one another, regardless of differences. Thank you for listening toward love. I had the great privilege of being coached by Joy Hollingsworth in high school while playing basketball at Seattle Prep. Her positive attitude, humor, and genuine excitement for life made going to practice every day really fun. But beyond her basketball knowledge and good spirit, Joy's values and accepting approach to people and whatever life brings her way is truly inspiring. I hope that listening to her wisdom and life story will open your mind and your heart. No, no, no. Okay, that makes me feel better. (laughs) Okay, so I am, it is a great joy to be here with you today, Joy. Um, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. I'm yes, excited. Of course. So we're going to jump right in. And I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about your family, childhood, house you grew up in, anything that's sort of like your foundations, like how you became you. Oh, that's, well, it was a group effort. <laughs> okay. Um, born and raised in Seattle. Okay. Central District. I split my time growing up in the Central District and Rainier Beach, South End. Got it. So for my childhood, Central District, went to Meany Middle School, had a great time. Um, and then my parents, about the age of 12, mm-hmm. I moved to Rainier Beach area, okay. went to Tops. Uh, for school as well and then jumped right over uh, to Seattle Prep. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of my friends went to Garfield, Rainier Beach, Franklin. Mm -hmm. So going from the CD and Rainier Beach area to a different demographic at Seattle Prep was a life-changing experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Had a great time. I believe the school definitely prepared me for college Mm -hmm. and beyond so that was a wonderful experience. Did two years, played basketball at uh, Prep had the wonderful opportunity to go to University of San Francisco for two years, yeah. which was cool. My parents were uh, very overbearing when I was younger and very <laughs> protective and, okay. and so forth. So it was great to get away for college. Right. And then transferred to the University of Arizona, where mm-hmm. I played basketball as well. Uh, was there for three years and then had a great time at Arizona, mm-hmm. great teammates. It was a teammates from all over. Um, and then had the wonderful opportunity to play basketball overseas for a year right. at, in Greece. And so I was in Athens and we were on the island of Chios, which was absolutely beautiful. So cool. And then I feel like my life is, I'm only 35, but I feel like I'm just talking forever here. No, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and then went and uh, my parents were really adamant about me furthering my education. Um, so I went 
educations in my family mm -hmm. with my grandmother her being uh, the first black to be uh, on the school board the first one to graduate the school of social work wow. and then also its president as well for the seattle school board and state school board as well and so that was like my mentor right education was key so okay. went to university of washington got my master's in education okay and i didn't even know that yeah oh thought i God. wanted to be a teacher and yeah. thought i wanted to like coach sports and okay. be an athletic director and so yeah. forth and um you know uh got got locked into coaching basketball yeah. ever since i was little i was wanting to coach basketball i'd wear yeah. these like pantsuits in the mirror and pretend <laughs> like i was calling plays and transition and get back and come here and yeah. blow the whistle act like i was talking to a ref in the mirror when i was little <laughs> and because i always wanted to be a coach yeah uh seattle U <clears throat> for three years got to coach with the woman who coached me at arizona okay and then after that, jumped into a nonprofit with one of the friends I grew up with at Prep, who I met with Tavio at A Plus. Yeah. I was You're there right. for two years, and then 2012 hit. 2012, yeah. and that's when my brother decided he wanted to start uh, a marijuana company, yeah. a cannabis company, and uh -huh. that's when I jumped in with him. Ever since then, last six years, that's what I've been doing. Yeah, that's my snapshot that, of my life, real okay. fast. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, so we're going to talk about the business, the, the family business, but before that, who would you say is in like your life and uh, your upbringing or just how, where you're at now, your biggest role model and why? Good question. Or if you don't have one, yeah. just highlight one. Well, I won't do any more long-winded answers. No, I like that. I like that. We need to know. We need oh, to Okay, perfect. Well, my grandmother uh, yes. just turned... Actually, today is her birthday. Today's so the real day? Today's the real day. She was oh. born October... Is today's 29th? Yeah. Yeah, 29th. October 29th is 1920 is when she was oh born. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, definitely my grandmother. 99 years sure. old. Oh, yeah. 99 years old. Was born in South Carolina in Bishopville. Had to overcome a lot during her lifetime, especially yeah. born in the South. Right. So, her being my role model because mm -hmm. of what she had to go through and knowing what she had to endure with racism with um segregation right with not a lot of opportunities for for black women mm -hmm. and so her navigating that path yeah. and being able to accomplish the lifelong of achievements that she has yeah not awards but impacting people's lives right that's what i want to do so definitely her um, my mother, my okay. mother, a lot of people don't know, my mother was born and raised in the projects in New Orleans. Wow. Um, my uncle, who played basketball for uh, Xavier mm -hmm. in New Orleans, the only Xavier I know, that's no shot at the other Xavier, but the only Xavier I know and I grew up with in my house was in New Orleans. Okay. But my uncle was drafted to the ABL and then got traded to the Sonics. And so, as a result, he brought my family, another typical story, yeah. family grown in poverty, pulled out because of professional sports. Yeah. That was my family. Wow, and okay. that's how she got to Seattle. She oh. had scoliosis at 11, was in the hospital for long periods of time. And back then, they didn't have a lot of the modern medicine that right. they have nowadays. Right. And so, you know, the way they, the way they um, treated her condition was putting her in a cast. Mm. And she was in the cast for a large part of her childhood. Yeah. So, you know, she now still has yeah, some uh, problems and okay. issues with that. But her strength um, for her to be able to go to Xavier, get her degree and have scoliosis and have to deal with that as a child. Yeah. And then come here. She got her master's degree. Like, you know, I'm not the 
I'm the third generation in my family to go mm-hmm. to college because they were always like that was so important. Education, um, education huge, yeah. is key, mm-hmm. like huge, and it started with with uh, my grandmother. So those would be definitely two of my biggest role models. Okay. And then my aunt Jackie. Okay. My aunt Jackie was a Boeing executive, and as you see, I have all these like strong women yeah. that I'm standing on. Not that bunch I, of girl bosses. Girl bosses, right? <laughs> My aunt grew up in Seattle. This is my grandmother's daughter. Mm -hmm. And she was a Boeing executive for a long time and got high up. And I remember her taking me to her office over in Bellevue. Mm -hmm. And she had a corner office and it was beautiful. And she said, hey, one day this can be you. Be in here. Sit in that seat. So to have those role models, to be able to put me in those positions. Yeah. um, Saying that, hey, we've broken barriers. So it's easier for you to get to this point was huge. So I stand on their shoulders. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty awesome. That was a lot. You got <laughs> no, that's good. Wow, you got a lot of strong women that you can look up to. That's great. Um, okay, so now back to the family business that we just the, the starting in two thousand twelve. Your brother said, "Hey, I want. I have this idea. We're gonna yep. start a marijuana business." And so, can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? And uh, so, I guess. Well, so it was your brother's idea, and you just like jumped on. Were you like, "Let's do this right away," or how did how did it sort of like come to be? He pushed me. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, because you were pushed, you yeah, yeah. me off the cliff. So, okay. 2012, three things happened. Obama got reelected. Okay. The legalization of uh, marijuana, which is the initiative, is I five hundred two. Yeah. So that's what I will be referring to okay. our legalization in Washington State I five hundred two. Okay. And then the last one, legalization of of gay marriage. So all three of those, yeah. all at one time, yeah. I was on Capitol Hill with Raph. We're yeah. dancing in the street. Everyone's <laughs> smoking. Uh, people are kissing each other. And we're all celebrating about Obama. Like, it was just this huge, huge thing, yeah. celebration. Yeah. This melting pot of three different large monumental uh, laws and events that passed right. all simultaneously. Right, so that right. was in itself amazing. Okay. Well, that was back in 2012. Okay. A little bit later... 2013 is when they started to introduce the law because just because a law passed doesn't mean it's a lot of time right yeah so they had to come up with what that legislation looked like and process procedure structure Mm -hmm. he sits us down in his basement 2013 at my parents house and he says hey we have a family meeting i have this powerpoint presentation i really want you to be there yeah so i said okay here's one of Raph's other okay. projects. One of his projects was selling cherries. Okay. You know, okay. all these different things. But okay. he was real serious about this. Goes okay. down the line, tells me exactly what he wants to do. Has a thirty to forty page PowerPoint of exactly what we're gonna do. Had the plan. Oh, wow. We look back and laugh at that, which I can show you one of the business plans uh, today and what okay. it looked like in the budget. And that's all been you know scratch. But yeah. we had a plan. Yeah. I thought he was crazy. I go on to my, my meetings that I had later on that day. I was yeah. like, okay, dude, whatever. As it gets closer to the date to submit the application, RAF submits right. it, um, and we're off to the races. Yeah. I was still at my full-time job. I didn't think, you know, I said, yeah. okay, I was just watching the sidelines. But then there was a point of no return. Okay. And that's when my dad retires, pulls out all his retirement, hands it to my brother, and, and says, says, here you go. Well, he didn't really hand. I think but, my brother like pried it. So I like, give it to me. And okay. he purchased the land in Shelton, Washington, where yeah. our operation was. At right. that point, that's when I said, okay, this, this is, is serious. I need to... This, we're doing this. Yeah, yeah. We, we're doing this. Yeah. So I come back um, and I start to jump in, kind of fit in where I can. It's all hands on deck for the first like year. Right. We're navigating, figuring stuff out. And if a lot of people don't know, farming will test your soul. It will yeah. break your spirit. 
it will test oh, yeah. you to are you like actually out there in the like you're in the we're field? growing yeah like, we're in the field yeah. we're growing we're planting yeah we are on our hands and knees yeah. watering like wow. you are and then you are also vulnerable to the weather right washington it's, state is super hard to grow it yeah so we you know <laughs> figured it out yeah and every year we just kept reinvesting 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 right. we started outdoor in the ground and okay. now we have eight beautiful greenhouses okay. that we grow indoors now Got all it. the way from march through uh october okay um, which october's name is croptober because that's kind of the if you're growing outdoors that's the month that you, you, you harvest okay Got um it. and so that's why you see an influx of product usually on the market from november to january okay but that was that was our story it was all yeah. hands on deck family friends and we just kept growing 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 yeah. until we got to this point where um, now it's you know we're kind of stable it's sustainable and we really really pride ourselves on two things one quality mm -hmm. and two being a sustainable company where yeah. we grow with sunlight right. nine dollars in power a day we recycle our own water back to the aquifer so wow. we're really really conscious about having a low carbon footprint yeah and making sure that um you know where our impact is not too much wow pretty awesome <laughs> I'm here for this. Um, I'm just here for the comments. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. And so I guess, what has it been like being being a black family in this industry? Um, like, I mean, just some statistic statistics that are out there, and then I was looking up like the number of, you know, white people who use marijuana compared to black people. May same, maybe a little bit even more. And then, but the number of incarcerations for marijuana for like a black man compared to his, his white counterpart is like four, he's four times more likely right. to, you know, or has been to be arrested for marijuana. Right. So like sort of in light of all that and the culture surrounding it and what, you know, the discrepancy there, um, like what is it like being a black family in this industry? And right. is it, is it? An industry that's dominated by white people now that it's been legalized and like who's making the most money of it what have you seen as like in the industry so far oh absolutely well the being a black family in the like the marijuana cannabis industry mm -hmm. is very similar of being a black person just in seattle in general yeah. okay. so the same stuff that i have to endure or navigate is the same stuff that i have to do in the industry right um however Unfortunately, there's not a lot of people who look like us in the industry. Yeah. And this cannabis was a, um, it, the war on drugs mm -hmm. predominantly targeted, uh, poor people. Yep. Low income. Yep. And black and brown folks. Right. And so as a result, they're in prison mm -hmm. and now we legalize this industry. Yeah. And the majority of people participating or who have access to do that are white. Right. And a large reason of why is how laws are set up. Number one is capital. Mm -hmm. So we know that wealth transfers. Mm -hmm. And so because of that wealth gap that we have in the country, mm -hmm. um, a lot of times black and brown folks, you know, segregation, you had uh, Jim Crow laws, you had slavery. Even though we're talking about stuff that might have been 50 years ago, 100 years ago, that still has a impact on on family generational wealth right right so capital was one number mm -hmm. two you have if you have a felony on your record or any type of criminal background mm -hmm. you are not allowed to participate in the industry 
well there yeah. goes all those people who have been targeted mm-hmm. for this uh war on drugs they're right. not allowed to participate in the industry which right. they somewhat built right started right right so you have that piece the third piece a large part is education mm-hmm. a lot of people just don't know how to farm okay. a lot of people don't know where to start a lot right of people don't know how to get involved and as this legalization takes place in the country I applaud the laws and uh, cities that are paying focus mm-hmm. to particularly including a restorative justice, a social equity yeah. program right. um, involved. Washington State did not do that. Okay. And so now we're trying to play catch up and Got figuring it. out, um, I believe the Washington State Cannabis Liquor Board came out and said, hey, we want you know this Cannabis Law 2.0, right. which is going to talk about how we're going to replace or how we're going to have to encourage social equity, Got restorative it. justice. Okay. The city of Seattle has started an initiative that we're going to be um, connecting with them about and okay. sharing our experience. But, you know, this, it, it's five years later. Yeah. And so now we're going to be playing catch up. Got what it. What Oakland's done, what LA's doing, uh, some places on the East Coast, mm-hmm. they are introducing the law mm-hmm. of whatever initiative for cannabis, but they're also including that social equity piece Got along it. with the law. They yeah. also have someone designated to oversee that program so we can uh, get more okay. people of color, more brown and black, uh, black and brown folks involved right. in that. Um, so yeah, it's... It's difficult, however, um, with that type of um, uh, with that type of uh, notoriety that we kind of have as being one of the first, and you know, a family right. operation and black family, yeah, uh, comes some type of responsibility. Yeah, so it's our job to number one, do it the right way. Right, that's an extra pressure that you got to make sure your stuff is on point. But number two, to be able to. Um, share the information that we know, the knowledge that we know, yeah. connecting with people. I mean, we get hit up all the time asking, how would you guys get in the industry? Right. What can we do? You know, what are some tips? Right. How, how, how? Yeah. And we know that our situation is very unique and not mm-hmm. a lot of people are live in Washington State. Right. You know, not a lot of people are living in a progressive area that, that we are. Mm-hmm. We like to think we're progressive in the state, which we are to some mm-hmm. capacity. <laughs> yeah. um, but to be able to have those resources and networks and opportunities and it all had to align it's nothing short of god which i say and people always um kind of tense up when i mention god and and cannabis but But, you know he's here yeah he she (laughs) the the creator is here yeah right um with what we're doing but um we definitely know we're situated our farm next to one of the largest prisons in Washington state, not in terms of uh, capacity, but in terms of that's where everyone goes first before they're distributed to the state, which is the the Shelton um, correctional facility. Mm -hmm. And so we know that there's probably some people locked up in there for what we're doing legally. Right. And we're literally, you know, a couple miles away. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's tough. Most of our neighbors don't look like us, but they have embraced us. We love them. It's been, it's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's definitely uh, a struggle every day to survive and navigate this industry with not a lot of people looking like us. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't even imagine. Um, okay. And I guess, like now, just how how much or how often are you there in Shelton? Yeah. So, well, we've kind of morphed into this. So as we had continued to grow our business, we yeah. morphed into this. Um, this role taking where Raph was handling everything outside so he was doing okay. all the growing yeah. all the farming day to day stuff mm-hmm. cultivation 
um, propagation, anything outside rafted. Mm -hmm. After that plant, uh, unfortunately, was cut down. And, you know, I, I love the plants when they're alive because it's so energy. And then when it's after harvest, it's, it's like, like a slaughter. And you're just like, <laughs> oh, it's so sad. But because um, I see them as living beings and I thank them for their sacrifice that they're giving us. Yeah. Um, but I do everything inside. So all the processing, all of the um, bagging, tagging, yeah. labeling from start to finish. That's what I do. Okay. And then my dad had been doing all the sales. So Got he it. does all the sales with connecting with the stores, okay. talking to bud tenders, yeah, yeah. store owners, deliveries, mm -hmm. logistics. Um, and then those were our three roles. Right. Um, I have since then transitioned into this new role where I'm doing more of the CBD hemp so side. Got it. Which is different than yeah. the cannabis, like the marijuana stuff that mm -hmm. Raph's doing. Yeah. So he's kind of taken on that role of doing the farm day-to-day -day stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've morphed into this role where we have a facility in Renton where we manufacture our CBD stuff where we're starting to do all our Hollingsworth hemp stuff mm -hmm. and products and, and develop that, that okay. side of the business as well. So I've kind of now running my own like team. He has his yeah. team and my cool. dad's kind of um, being an advisor so okay, got it. in that retired man yeah. as he should. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Um, okay. And then, so we kind of, you kind of touched on this before, uh, yeah. but like as states start to legalize marijuana, start right. to and this kind of process gets going, um, and we just mentioned like the people that are currently incarcerated for marijuana. Right. Um, like I'm wondering what you think. Like, for example, Andrew Yang says like he'll free everybody who's currently in for marijuana. They'll be free when he's elected. Um, and like, what are your thoughts? Like right now, I mean, with regard to like, for example, the people in Washington State. Well, it's legal. Marijuana is legal here, but there are still people locked up for it. Like, what are you? What are your thoughts on this? And what do you think? Yeah, yeah well, Yang Gang, Yang Math, <laughs> my Matt. guy. <laughs> He's the man. My math hat. I like a lot of the things um, Yang talks about. Yeah. Um, and I think he's bringing a perspective of. And we've heard this from a lot of politicians. To right. legalize marijuana, to let everyone go. Mm -hmm. We have to legalize, legalize, legalize. But yeah. the problem with that, and I'm sorry for that large truck in no. the way. <laughs> the problem with um, that is this industry is ran by money. Right. Tax dollars. Washington okay. State has one of the largest taxes in the country mm -hmm. on, on cannabis tax, which is 37%. And that yeah, has insane. just outgrew the liquor tax in the state okay so you know it's a lot of money going around here yeah how um, can like, that makes must make it hard for like a company to make it if you're being taxed that much yeah like it's, how it's hard you... growing pains are, are difficult yeah more so because it's it's you have to deal with regulation right and then at any point in time it's not like even though you're protected by the state you still could get arrested for what we're doing because it's federally um Got still it. a controlled one substance okay um and then the taxes are high and yeah. then you have the 280e which is the capone tax which you still have to even though it's not a legal um product that you're selling you still have to file taxes 
um, as well and there's no ta uh, tax write-offs for that okay so that becomes this thing that you have to steer um, unfortunately to where you're probably taxed about 40 to 45 percent got it um, which is a large amount Insane. and that does not account for payroll taxes um, yeah you know so. Department of Revenue B&O tax if you're in a city tax like doesn't but, it, it yeah, doesn't but, count all that too we're just so, talking about federal taxes oh, <laughs> so yeah you know so, your profit margins pretty but it's it's taught us to be able to try to be a sustainable business yeah. model um, with um, growing in one of the I think cannabis just farming in general is one of the hardest things you could possibly do in mm -hmm. life from bring, probably being a single parent but you know it's taught us all these cannabis laws and taxes and stuff has kind of taught us how to navigate and still be successful and yeah you know and try to try to try to be try to make money yeah um, so with all these people talking about legalizing marijuana and you know um people getting out of prison and yeah. stuff that would count on the states because you got to remember these states make money when those beds are filled so when those beds are filled and these people are non-violent of course i think everyone with a non-violent drug offense should be out right um or people people who have marijuana on the record it should all be expunged yeah doesn't make sense right. but we have to understand that there's a large industry built around with incarceration privatizing prisons yeah. like that that industrial complex that is real mm -hmm. and um unfortunately as we see these laws pass and it's going to take a lot of time mm -hmm. um we're not going to see people released on this massive level like we all think it right know, it should it's going to take some time mm -hmm. um but you know i think in Louisiana, I was reading a, um, I was watching a documentary of a man who had a couple joints on him, mm -hmm. and he got six to eight years in prison in Louisiana. And you know, we Crazy. know that they're tougher with their laws uh, in that state. Right. But I have six to eight joints on me right now, <laughs> or more than that. You yeah. know. And so it's, I'm thinking like that. Yeah. Just puts a lot in perspective, like right. how much we process every year, and and how much we distribute, and how much so much uh cash is being exchanged from hand to hand and this man is sitting in prison in louisiana for a couple right. joints right and so you know that hurts my heart yeah but um you know hopefully we can we can make some progress on that yeah <laughs> hopefully we can we will we will andrew yang come on man <laughs> come on man. um okay but what what role because you, you kind of mentioned god or a little bit ago yeah. so what what role has like faith or how you see uh like the larger Ooh. purpose played in your life and Ooh. was that something that started when you were like from your when you were little like what 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 yeah role? my mom always taught me like worrying is a lack of faith okay and so faith has always been in my background yeah for example the company the llc that i started our cbd mm -hmm. company under is called soms s-o-m-s -S llc which means source of my strength okay and so everything i i try to do i try to be a um i guess you could say I'm just a tool to do God's work. Yeah. And so in life, and that's the way I see it, but mm -hmm. there's not a moment. Sometimes when we would have like difficult moments building the business yeah. and something would come and save us or something would happen that was great, yeah. we'd be like, yo, that's nothing but God because there's no way we could explain some of the stuff that was happening around us and yeah. building this and having that faith. Right. You know, we've leaned on God so many times like a lot of other people do right. for strength, wisdom, 
prayer um, and and guidance. Yeah. And so that's been been huge. Another large part is um, my grandmother. She is so godly in the sense that she gives us so much wisdom. Yeah. So much light. Mm-hmm. So much uh, you know positive uh, energy. Yeah. So much like just love. love yeah. Yeah. You know I I can't you know he he channels a lot of his strength and i say he the she, creator whatever Chan, whatever it is out here she is non-binary whatever <laughs> um channels a lot of the strength through my grandmother right and um so yeah god is is plays a huge part okay. i remember when we first started we prayed as a family mm-hmm. over this if we're having hard times in family meetings we pray before we start like there's a lot of prayer in what we do and that's just that's just who we are yeah okay cool um, cool okay so i guess now for any of the listeners who are not um currently living in seattle or know uh we are pretty much facing a homeless epidemic here yeah and and like we were talking before it's just i mean i would be homeless if i wasn't living with my parents um <laughs> so like generally speaking what are your hopes for the city of seattle and where you see it moving forward right now and like with regard to all many of the issues that we're facing, but homelessness being probably number one. Well, I'm going to say this because a lot of people compare us to um, San Francisco mm-hmm. and what's going on there with a lot of the tech industry coming in. Right. Um, and I had a chance to visit down there and I was literally right across from like Pinterest and the Uber and all these big billion dollar companies. Mm-hmm. And then across the street were homeless people. Mm-hmm. And it was like literally everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, this is crazy. But then I come to Seattle. Mm-hmm. We have Amazon, Google, Microsoft, right. and you're right downtown and stuff. And there's so many homeless people. Yeah. And I'm not saying that those companies should pay for it or, you know, because of them, that's what we have. That's not what I'm saying. It's just crazy to see the um, the separation of wealth. It's crazy to see people just walk past a lot of these folks. Right. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people have this stigma and they think homeless people are lazy. They think they're addicts and they think they are, you know, uh, dirty. They have all these um, so, um, stereotypes that's been embedded in our head from different movies or videos or ads or, you know, things that people have said. Mm-hmm. Media. Yeah. And I had a chance to work with some of the homeless population in L.A. One of my really great friends used to be homeless. His name is Kevin Call. Mm -hmm. And he used to be on Skid Row. He went to prison for a little bit, came out, um, you know, was on drugs, got his life together. And now does motivational speaking about his journey through this. And he is absolutely one of my best friends. And we connect on so many different levels um, because he's a really, really good dude. Yeah. Um, But when people start, what I learned uh, from Kevin and everyone, a lot of these people, there's homeless vets, Mm -hmm. there's single parents. These are people, single moms. Mm -hmm. These are just everyday people who had them. Everybody knows they've been there, Mm -hmm. a misstep. And if they didn't have family or friends or certain people to lean on, um, you know, they would not be able to get through. Mm-hmm. These people didn't have that. You right, know? right. And so, unfortunately, there is a large amount of homeless people and affordable housing situation that's going on in the city. Mm-hmm. And it's it's depressing. And I'm hoping that we can kind of figure out. I know we've spent, the city and the King County has spent 
millions of dollars to try to fix the issue. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that money's going and what that looks like. <laughs> right. Okay, because it seems like, unfortunately, the population is getting worse. Mm-hmm. And then the other problem that we have, unfortunately, is we've kind of left it to the police to police them. Yep. And that's not, you know, they're not trained to deal with that. And right. we're doing these sweeps and, it, you know, it's it's putting that pressure on the police and mm-hmm. it's tough. Yeah. You can't, you can't do that. So I'm hoping with all this uh, influx of population that's coming to the city, wealth, new tax a revenue stream mm-hmm. um, that we can figure out a solution because if we figure out a solution here in yeah, Seattle right I feel like the nation will follow right because San Francisco can follow LA they can follow see, right. you know we can we can figure this out we have some of the brightest minds we can figure we can figure it out in Seattle we can yeah, yeah I like the hope I'm there I'm there yeah I'm, there I'm all you. about hope and positivity so I hope we can find something yes <laughs> we can I'm, I'm with you um, but yeah, no, it's crazy because like I I volunteer at Mary's place and it's a bunch of sing- it's a bunch of single moms and their kids and it's just like so and there's like such good like people who love their kids so much it's just like they didn't have the support they didn't right. have the people in their life that could be like oh just come live with me for a while like right. we'll be fine like so they're on the street and it's just insane yeah that's what and sometimes we're talking about just 30 days right can help someone tremendously yeah you know because you're only one missed paycheck from being homeless right and i heard a lot of people say that you know living check to check and the the disparity and the wealth gap is getting greater and greater in this country Mm -hmm. um and i'm all about i'm capitalist with the heart because i believe in free market and free world and i Mm -hmm. believe that it's helped people pull people out but we need to kind of restructure what we're doing and and try to figure out how we can be more efficient with helping this problem instead of just throwing money at it Mm -hmm. we have a a comprehensive plan and what that looks like yeah okay and so then moving from seattle but and we kind of just starting to touch on this but like then our nation as a whole um like with regard to the extreme divide that we're currently living in between liberals and conservatives just like the cultural the climate that we're living in what are your hopes because you're a hopeful positive person for our country moving forward and like and like do you think that we can this is this can get better like this just sort of this immense divide i guess well i'll say this i feel like we have such a great um privilege to live in the northwest Mm -hmm. in the sense that for somewhat we're in like a little bubble right up here so far north and we there there is i mean i've dealt with a lot of problems here in seattle unfortunately but we kind of live in a bubble and for the most part the city of seattle we pride ourselves of being an inclusive progressive uh type of of city that's all about inclusivity all about diversity um, and you know we all want to join hands and sing kumbaya which is great mm-hmm. but I feel like with the country there's this shift where we just don't listen to each other anymore right and if someone says one thing and we talked about this yeah you completely disregard them you don't like them anymore and, and whatnot right and I think we need to see more of our common and I hate um, I don't want to like steal uh, Senator Cord Booker's word about common purpose and, right. and so forth. But we need to figure out our common um, 
more common stuff we have in common yeah right rather than like what separates us because yeah that just made we get caught up on that <laughs> right and so many times i hear people they say one thing and everyone's just like shouting or people just don't listen to each other anymore. yeah we don't have these conversations right where like we can have a disagreement yeah and that's just our opinion and that's cool because right. i don't believe everyone should think like me yeah because that would be a really boring world right everyone would be happy <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a boring world. And yeah. I don't think you want everybody to think like you. Right. Be, you know, everybody, that's yeah. what makes us really cool is people think differently. We have mm -hmm. our own opinions and views and whatnot. So if we could just talk more mm -hmm. and have spaces and conversations that create this dialogue. Right. Because a lot of the times, the reason why we get so angry at each other is because we just don't understand. If someone tells me one thing, mm -hmm. I just don't go off. I want to know, okay, what experiences have you Take had? Take the time to, yeah, yeah, to lead you to where that you're at right now. Or where you're at right exactly. now. And a lot of times, you'll find out, okay, we both grew up the same. Or, you know, we've had uh, single parent moms. Or we've had this, you know, yeah. uh, barriers that we had to jump over. Mm -hmm. Instead of just being like, you know, I don't like this this type of people. Or I don't like this religion. Or I hate this. Right. Well, why, why do you? And so... We don't have those conversations. Do I feel like there's hope for the country? Yes, because if I didn't, what's the alternative? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're right. So you gotta have hope. I yeah. think we need to listen more. We need to have open conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm talking about both sides. Yeah. Because you know, there's a lot of screaming matches going on, and there's a lot of people that um, just want to yell and divide and and not bring people together and just have conversations and. And we got to just start listening more and yes. understanding people is really, really the key. And yeah. there's a lot of people who are hurt. When I see someone, they do something that might be racist. They do something that's, you know, derogative or right. they do something that's insensitive or anti-Semitic. You know, what's going on with you that you feel like you have to out, like go right. that far? Exactly. Extreme? What's going on with you? Mm -hmm. Is it mental health? Is it problems you're going through? Did you have right. a bad experience? Where did that come from? Mm -hmm. And if we find more of the root on people and find out, then I think we can start healing each other. But, yeah. you know, it, it's going to take some time. Right. But I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah. I really we am. gotta be. I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful. I just want to love each other. You know, yes. I'll have a yes. dinner. I'm telling you, I want to love each other. I'll have dinner with people who don't believe or don't look like me, who don't believe in anything, or yeah. might hate me because yeah. of my gender or yeah. race. I'll have dinner with them. Yeah. I was just on Facebook the other day, and this, these people were arguing, mm -hmm. and we were talking about this church in the community that's mm -hmm. a very sensitive subject for uh, people of color, black okay. people. And, you know, people were going back and forth and yeah. whatnot. And I invited the gentleman um, over. I wanted to have him for dinner. I just want to talk to him and ask about Somebody his Somebody from the, yeah, okay. Yeah, some, you know, someone from the community. I just want to ask about his views. Did he so come? I, no, I, I got to, I have to, I got to, okay. I got to do that. Okay. I got to reach out okay. and have him over for dinner. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just interested to hear about them. And I right. I want him to listen to me and my perspective so he can better understand where we're coming from. Exactly. And I can understand where he's coming from. Yeah, see, that's, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. That's what we need. We need more people like Joy. No. We, <laughs> yeah, we do. We just want to listen. Listen and love. And, See? You know, people think my head's up in the, the clouds because they think I'm probably high all the time, but I'm not. It's not. <laughs> and you're not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm clearly fine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No. See, we're, we're, I'm, I'm on the same page. That's mm -hmm. my, this is. That's why this podcast is called Listening Toward Love. Oh, See? I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. Oh, what else? <laughs> man, that's what LTL stands for. Okay. Yeah. See? Wow. Okay. Well, Joy, thank you so much for talking to me. This has been great. You're awesome. I feel like I 
get a little, become a little better every time I talk to you. So stop it. Um, thank you. You're my favorite. Can I say to the listeners, yeah, I had such the privilege of um, coaching with Coach Hall and having the opportunity to coach her and and connect with her, and it was absolutely amazing. And we had such a great time. And she's really, really dope, and is going to do <laughs> great things. <laughs> wow, thank you for that. All right. I hope you learned a little bit about I-502 and the cannabis industry in Washington State, something I previously knew very little about. And I hope that your hope for our world grew a little bit stronger, knowing that people like Joy are out there living. Joy actively seeks out people who see things differently from her because she wants to understand them, and as she said, to get to the root of where they come from. And in her own words, without even knowing what this podcast was called, she said, we need to listen. We, we just need to love. Thank you for listening toward love.